Thanks for listening to Worship Local. This is our podcast where we invite you into the long-winded, ever-deepening, sometimes winding conversation of Frontier Church, where we exist for the glory of Jesus and the joy of Des Moines. In today's podcast, Andrew and I explore our five years of serving together as a team. So whether you live in Des Moines or elsewhere, we hope this podcast helps you worship local. I'm Cole, and I'm here with... Andrew. (laughs) So we got a couple, we've got a couple podcasts left together. Just a couple. It's weird. It's really weird. A couple more weeks at Frontier. How are you and Tracy feeling about your time that's left at Frontier? Oh, man. Uh, I know that's a tough one to answer, like right off the bat. Yeah. Some days I wake up and I don't know what I feel, honestly. You know, it's uh, Mm -hmm. people toss around the bittersweet trope all the time. And it's like, some days I wake up and I primarily taste the bitter and the bittersweet cookie that has been handed to me. And then some days I wake up and I taste the sweet part of that bittersweet cookie. So yeah, it's just, it's a whirlwind of emotions. It's, you know, something that, you know, when we moved here, we, we didn't think that, you know, when we moved here, we, we just asked God, like, if you ever move us from frontier, we asked that it's to the closer to family. Like we hmm. never, yeah. never yeah. moved here to, you know, use frontier as a launching pad. Yeah. Never moved here. You know, there's some other churches that plant churches in Iowa and they have a methodology of you know, sending out somebody in a support role, but once the church gets established, that person leaves, or they'll leave after a year. Right. Um, right. So I, ca- I would always get those questions like, "Oh, where are you going to go? Go next year?" And I'm like, "Oh, this is this is it. I didn't move all the way up here just to spend a year of my life with these people and with this dude and plant this church and then get out of here." Mm-hmm. Like that first year is mm-hmm. the hardest part. <laughs> so, oh yeah, definitely. I'm not going to leave. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have Paul's apostolic calling here. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. So it's weird to be in this spot. Um, because if you were to ask me five and a half years ago where I would envision myself in 10 years, I would have said Des Moines. I would have said Frontier. Yeah, so, yeah. So it's a weird headspace to be in. Yeah, man. I, you know, one of, one of my favorite memories of you and Tracy, and I've got a lot of them, but one of my favorite memories of you and Tracy is that, that those couple days where you guys visited from Texas before we planted Frontier and you visited Des Moines and you visited Cedar Falls just to kind of see like, just to hang out with us, not to Skype with us, not to look at, not to have a conversation across like a, um, a laptop screen, but to actually just hang with us. So we got those couple days together in Des Moines and in Cedar Falls. And, and, and the memory that sticks out to me is I asked Tracy, um, I asked Tracy, hey, if you had one word to describe Andrew, which word would you choose to use? And Tracy said, steadfast. And um, I've thought a lot about that in this last season of ministry, because for over five years now, that's what you've been at Frontier. You've been steadfast in virtually every area of your life and in virtually every area of our church. You've been steadfast as a pastor. You've been steadfast as a leader. You've been steadfast as a friend. You've been steadfast as a follower of Jesus. You've been steadfast Sunday in and Sunday out. And so I'm just like super grateful for the time that we've had together, man. And it's just funny to think about how Tracy answered that question five years ago. Because I feel like if somebody were to ask me five years later, Cole, what's, if you had one word to describe Andrew, what would it be? I think I might say steadfast still, you know? <laughs> I think that's really cool. 
Yeah, and it's been a it's been a wild ride over five and a half years living in the same city together. Wild ride. I mean, we skyped starting in what would that have been the fall slash winter of two thousand thirteen. I guess no, no, fourteen. Yeah, fall winter of fourteen. And uh, so that's, yeah, it's weird to like, you know, we both had crappy internet <laughs> back in those days. <laughs> you can see falls, me and Austin. And so it'd be, be like, yeah, yeah. get into the meat and potatoes of conversation of what books we're reading or what right, we're learning right. in our residencies. And then it's like one of us freezes. <laughs> then you like text me, hey, I've got to head to the church or the Wi Fi. Or I'd be like, yeah, I've got to do the same thing. So it's, <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, we would, uh, yeah, we'd Skype on our days off. So, so I remember like how awesome it was to be like, oh, we don't have to. This we aren't limited by Wi-Fi anymore. I know, right? That was such yeah. an awesome feeling of like, oh, we could sit across the same table at a coffee shop and strategize and talk and right. hang out. We don't right. We're not limited by mileage and by Wi-Fi. And like, I've got to bring it up. Like, you know, you're you're talking about those those first couple video uh, conversations that we had, but even before the first Skype meeting, there was the classic first email from me to you. And this morning I I dug back into that. I wanted to find it just to remind us of the grace of God. I know I mentioned this in the sermon like a couple of years ago or something like that, but I just had to read it. You know, um, you connected with Donovan first and Donovan was like, Hey, there's this dude from, you know, the Austin stone over in Texas, who's interested in what's happening in church planting in Iowa. So I was like, all right, yeah, I'm going to send him an email right away. And I went to find that email this morning. Here's a fun fact about our relationship. It was 1,302 emails away. <laughs> so I looked at all the shared emails and I typed Dang. your name in. We have 1,302 <laughs> emails that you have to get through to get back to that first email between us. It's a lot of emails. 1,302 emails. And um, here's the first email I sent to you. Um, it's a great demonstration of my youthfulness. <laughs> Six years ago, however long it was, I said, Hey, brother, the reason I'm barking at you right now is because I'm currently the local church planning resident at Redeemer Church in Cedar Falls, <laughs> Iowa. My wife and I are planning to plant in the big old city of Des Moines. I thought it'd be great to connect with you and hear about some of your training at the Austin Stone. Would you be down to Skype? What do you say? Thanks, Duder. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing you even responded oh, to that man. email. Yeah, uh, that, was, that was like so long ago. That was, and you know, like when we started talking, like I didn't have any like, we were just hanging out. Just broing out for a while, you know. Like I yeah, didn't, yeah. I was like, oh, cool. I just get to learn. Like you know, I was, you know, didn't didn't know what my role and I knew what my role in church planting was going to be in a support role, not as a lead planter, but I didn't know where I'd wind up. I didn't know where God would would take us. Um, so it was just yeah, crazy. Like, and that's one of the like God's. I could see one of the threads in my life is God's that I'm able to explicitly see is God's providence and, and timing and where he has led me. Cause I've never, you know, I've never like intentionally sought out, um, a ministry role per se. Like for me, it was like, I legitimately just wanted to hear from Donovan what church planning looked like in Iowa. Yeah. I was being yeah, trained in yeah, Acts 29 yeah. church at the time. Redeemer was Acts 29. So yep. I was like, yep. Oh, there's only two of these churches. So which one is the oldest? Oh, Redeemer's the oldest. Okay, cool. I'll just shoot this guy an email and just learn from him. So I learned from him and then, he, you you reached out to me and we I was just learning from you and so like that as our friendship developed and we, we not only had like affinity and not not only did we like share the same theology and doctrine 
on first on primary issues and secondary issues, but just mm-hmm. like we just realized, oh, we're just like friends, and that's something that's really unique. And I like I'm yeah, so thankful yeah. for God's providence in that. Of like I I didn't come to Frontier just seeking out a role, but I was like Tracy and I like one of our questions was could we serve alongside these people joyfully, be friends with them, and if God killed Frontier, could we say we would still like to live down the street from these people? And so like whenever we rode back to Austin from Des Moines. Like, yeah, we could see ourselves doing this. So it was, you know, it was, yes, come saying, it, it was saying yes to being a part of church planting frontier, but it was like doing it alongside these people was like the biggest thing for us. Yeah. Cause, yeah, you know, I, had, I, I probably had other opportunities. I could have been involved in church planting. I could have worked for Acts 29, but I, I didn't want to work for an organization. I wanted to work in a church. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, knew other people who were planting churches, but, you know, it's like finding, Finding someone to, and that this is what I would tell any young dude who's thinking about church planting or ministry in general: don't just find a role that you like. Find a role that you're gifted in serving in, but find someone to do it alongside with. Like that's what that's what will transcend those hard times. That's what transcends the the sorrows of ministry and the joys of ministry. Is you know we've been through a lot of junk in five and a half years stuff that we've caused our own selves and stuff that's mm-hmm. been handed to us and yeah. difficulties with people and difficulties with being a young church on a tight budget. Like I've never once wanted to throw in the towel just because things got tough. Mm-hmm. It was like, I get to do this alongside my dude. Yeah, man. And I think this is a good hypothetical scenario to help people think through what we're talking about right now. Um, Cause like what I hear you saying, and one of my biggest lessons that I've learned from these last five years of serving alongside of you is that the greatest gift any church leader has to give to his local church is not primarily an isolated, out-of-context skill, ability, or gifting. Mm-hmm. It's his relationship with other leaders. So like the hypothetical scenario I would, I would give our church is to think about church A and church B. Church A has two leaders. Both leaders are incredibly gifted, but they don't really like each other. Church B has two leaders. They're not terribly gifted but they love each other Mm -hmm. church b is a more well-led church guarantee it Mm -hmm. i guarantee it like church a that church falls through in a couple years and one of those leaders stands up in front of the church and says you know we just don't see eye to eye in a couple things and you know we just don't we we have philosophical differences and so we're just going to split up and head different directions guarantee it Mm -hmm. but a church where the leaders love each other that church is always going to be well led and well well cared for. I think. Yeah, man, and it's you know our our approach to to the local church has never been one of that's primarily like oh this is a business and this is an organization. Right. Like it's always yeah. been it's an organism. Yes, it it is it is an organization, but it's not it's not just a nonprofit. It's not some you know Christian businesses mission uh, venture. Like this is a this is the the church which is Christ's body God's people uh, the, this family of ragtag people who've been adopted by the God of the universe and has saved them and washed them clean has given them a seat at their table by by the blood of His Son so why should we just treat each other like we're fellow employees like you know and I, and I think yeah like you can yeah. you can cultivate that over a long period of time but like our situation was so. I mean, it's at least unique to my experiences in life and stories I hear from other people and that we, we started off, like the basis of it started off as a as friendship, as mm-hmm. learning from one another. You know, it's the, 
you know, like, and that's kind of like more my style just in general, <laughs> but like Tracy and I were friends for a long time and then we started dating. So, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, you know, yeah. it, it paved the way for, you know, our, our, you know, engagement and our marriage in a, in a way that's different than, you know, meeting somebody and just going on a date, you know, a blind date. And then you, and then you start dating and you're developing the friendship at the same time. Like we had this, this framework of friendship already existing to where now like we're, as we're building the house of frontier and we're arranging the furniture, we're not like, why are you putting the chair over there? I don't like mm-hmm. the chair over there. Or, Oh, you want to, you want to buy this couch? I'm out of here, dude. I can't stand this couch. You know? Yeah. It's like, yeah, man, we have our disagreements and we've had our, you know, different styles and different preferences, but we're able to give one another the benefit of the doubt for five and a half years mm-hmm. in a way that we couldn't, if we didn't actually love each other and be friends with each other and see count each other's brothers in Christ. Yeah, man. I, I, you know, I thought during my sabbatical, I read Philippians a bunch of times, just kind of like over and over again, just cause like, I felt like it. <laughs> 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 um, but I was just struck by Paul's relationship with Epaphroditus. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm not saying that you're Paul and I'm Epaphroditus and I'm not saying that I'm Paul and you're Epaphroditus. I'm just, I was just looking at their relationship and Epaphroditus and Paul get to serve together and um, while Paul's in jail for like an extended amount of time. And then Paul sends Epaphroditus back to, back to Philippi. And, and Paul basically gets to say like, Hey, um, it's been awesome serving with Epaphroditus. He's been, I think my fellow soldier is what Paul calls mm-hmm. him. My fellow, my fellow soldier and my partner in ministry. And I'm sending him back to Philippi so that you guys might rejoice at him. And I just think it's so cool that we get to do that mm-hmm. together. Like, yeah, it's just, I, I feel like you guys are going back to Texas and we get to rejoice for you. And we're sending you to a church that gets to rejoice when they see you. And so I just feel so glad that we don't have to stand awkwardly in front of our church and say, well, you know, we just don't really see eye to eye together. And these sort of things, they just happen in ministry. So what I'm like, I'm so glad to say, well done good and faithful servant and you're going to crush it in this next season of ministry. Mm-hmm. And so that's just like such an honor to be able to do that. Yeah. And I hope everyone in frontier has heard that at the member meeting that we had six weeks ago now has read that from your letter and from my letter. Like this isn't, yeah, a difference of, of philosophy of ministry. This isn't a difference of vision or values or goals. Like my role at frontier has been a dream like it honestly has like, hmm. and, and frontier is such a unique and beautiful church and the things that God is using her for and doing in her is, is amazing. Um, so it's like, if I didn't need to step away, I wouldn't, you know, that's, that's what's made this hmm. you know process harder in a lot of ways, but also, you know, where I can leave joyfully knowing that I've invested five and a half years of blood, sweat and tears into this, this church family and knowing that, God is going to do, you know, my prayer is that when I leave, it's, it's so God can do even more crazy stuff in frontier. You know, I don't know what God's going to do in frontier in the next five years, but because it's not been based on me and it's not based on you, uh, I can be taken out of the equation and God's still going to use frontier for something. I don't know what it is, but it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right, man. I think you're right. And um, I mean, so you've got your you've got your top five moments that you're <laughs> of serving at Frontier. I'm excited to hear those, um, and I think that's going to be the highlight of the podcast. Let me just blast through a couple of mine though. Right, I don't, 
I don't have five. I have more than that. I'm, I'm, I'm blasting really quickly though. Okay. Um, so I just, it's just, it's just that serving with you has been one of the greatest joys of planting Frontier Church. I thought, you know, when I planted Frontier Church, I thought that what I was going to like most about pastoring was preaching, you know? And I, I think you'd have to be freaking blind and deaf to walk away from a Sunday morning, not realizing that I love preaching. I do love preaching. It's just, that's not what I've loved most. Like what I think I've loved most is serving with you. So here's quick, quick blast. First, the first time that I questioned whether or not we could work together, you were visiting Des Moines. <laughs> I don't know you're going to. <laughs> we were, you were visiting Des Moines and we went to Zombie Burger together. And I was like, bro, you can get these burgers where like you put like onion rings and cheese curds and like gravy and mashed potatoes on top. They're crazy. You've got to get them. And you ordered like a regular burger or something like that. And I was like, what in the heck is going on? And then we went to Fong's Pizza together. And we got to Fong's Pizza. And uh, I was like, bro, they got like crab rangoon pizza. And they got all this weird stuff. That, but you got to try this, bro. And you said, yeah, I'm just not into weird stuff like that, man. I just like plain stuff. And I was like, I don't know if this is going to work out. Yeah. It's like my whole thing is weird combos like that. It was so funny visiting. It's like, oh yeah, check out this place and this place. Look at all the cr- <laughs> they put mac and cheese on a burger. <laughs> uh, the first time I saw you lead a community of people stands out to me because you know, like I, I obviously knew that you were a skilled leader, but it's different having a conversation with somebody versus seeing somebody lead a group of people. Um, and so that always stands out to me that that first community group that you led for Frontier Church, you started to unpack the vision of what we wanted to accomplish through community group. And Ben Bonwell, he's long gone now. He's over in Cedar Falls or God knows where, but he was a part of that core team. A good friend of ours. We love Ben mm-hmm. deeply. Miss that dude. But while you were unpacking the vision for community groups, Ben Bonwell turned to me and there was a twinkle in his eye and a smile on his face. And he said, this is the guy. <laughs> that's, that's always going to stand out in my mind. Our first disagreement, serious disagreement together will always stand out. It was a month away from launching publicly, and you and I had a big disagreement on kids' ministry. Big disagreement. I'm not talking about like, what about this, the nuts and bolts over here, or should we tweak it this direction or that direction? We had a big disagreement. Like writing essays to each other. Writing essays. <laughs> we did write essays yeah. to each other. <laughs> That was just our immaturity. We had short-sightedness. Right. It's like, oh, are we gonna, what are we doing with kids? Oh, I just thought we were going to do this. Oh, gosh, we dude. hadn't talked about it, so I didn't think we were doing it. <laughs> Guys, this was a big disagreement. Yeah. And I remember we were at Mars Cafe, and I said, hey, man, we have to make a decision. And I just got to know, is our relationship on the line? And is your commitment to this church on the line if we make a decision that you don't like? And without hesitation, you were like, nope. And for me, that was a moment of like, whoo, we can do this. Yeah. Like we can have deep disagreements with each other Mm -hmm. and continue to work and lead out of that. That was pivotal for me. Because we were friends. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Launch Sunday. I was asking Chloe, like, what are some of your memories? And she just loved this memory of launch Sunday at Woolies together. Chloe was frantically setting things up and... I was probably like locked away in a closet praying over my sermon, right? I thought everything was great. I was like, yeah, I got my sermon ready. But Chloe was frantically setting things up and she bumped into you and she said, she'll just never forget seeing you on launch Sunday, just genuinely giddy. 
and like genuinely excited about. I don't know what's gonna happen, <laughs> but I'm excited for it. That stands out to Chloe oh, big time. Man, that's funny because I was so stressed out that day because <laughs> our launch Sunday got freaking pushed back a week. <laughs> oh man, this isn't really a moment, but I, you know, your kids are just. Every Sunday, seeing your kids is always going to stand out to me. <laughs> after after the service, like your kids are always saying to me, "Come get me, Cole!" and they're running away, asking me to play like hide and go seek. Chase me, Cole! Chase me, Cole! Chase me, Cole! <laughs> running around the jazz club, giggling, <laughs> laughing. Um, to me, that's what pastoral ministry is, mm-hmm. and Sundays will just forever feel incomplete to me without. Mm-hmm. Malachi and without Lydia there <laughs> to egg me on to that. Um, so those are a couple of my moments, but by a long shot, what stands out to me most is our time together as families mm-hmm. in one another's backyards and living rooms and stuff like that. Sharing drinks together, just spending time together, laughing together, talking together as friends and families. Um, yeah, man, like, when you were over there crushing in, in Texas and I'm thinking about what you did best and what I love most about you, like during your time at frontier, what I loved most about you wasn't your preaching. It wasn't the care that you put into the logistics in our church. It wasn't the care that you put into our community group ministry or even the way that you developed and managed and loved people in our church and our leaders. You did all that stuff really well. But what I love most about you is you and that's what I'm going to miss most. And so I know you've got your top five. I just had to blast through some of mine, though, dude. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I've got so many. Um, so I've, as I've been thinking about the different seasons of, of Frontier, like that's kind of the grid that I use for my some of my standout moments. But And the first one for me was the pump station days, man. <laughs> dude. You know, we had had this church uh, yeah. on paper. We talked about it all the time. We get here, you know, early 2016, and we're like, okay, what do we do with the core team? Like, do we, you know, visit other churches? We just do community groups and, you know, do vision casting, blah, blah, blah. And um, uh, what did you call them? You were like, let's do, like, pilot launch Sundays. Pilot launch Sundays. Yeah, that's right. Which, you know, some of the the things that, how Frontier has evolved and the things that we got really passionate about Frontier before we launched were pretty unique to both of us experientially and in the places that we were trained. Yeah, they like, were. Confessional liturgy was a huge thing. Like I did not grow up in, in churches that confessed liturgy. Neither did I. Um, and so like that was something we both read uh, James K. Smith's book um, on cultural liturgies, um, Desiring the Kingdom. And we both just got rocked by that book. And we're like, mm-hmm. oh man, like we've, we've got to do this. Mm-hmm. We've got to do this. And so like for, you know, however from... Was probably late February to August. Like we met on Sundays, and we did liturgy, and we did music, and mm-hmm. we did songs, and slowly built up that anticipation for launch Sunday, where you would have been been really helpful for you as a preacher to have been preaching every Sunday, but like not wanting to like be something that we didn't need to be at that time. Like yes, yeah, and so yeah. man, just confessing liturgy with thirty people or, you know, some Sundays, 14 people, mm-hmm. um, with kids, you know, being squirrely and running around in a little photography studio, like, and just hearing people's voices. Oh dude, that was so beautiful. 
Amazing, right? You know, it was like, okay, we can do this liturgy thing. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. Yeah. This is possible. Um, you know, and then, you know, doing communion every week. I didn't grow up in environments where we took communion every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and even back then, we did it in the we're going to eat and drink together way. Um, and so, like, you know, Tracy and I, we would serve communion and then you'd unpack communion and get to look at it, everybody eating and drinking at the same time. That was, I just remember being like, man, this is. Like launch today is gonna be awesome, but I never want to forget these moments of yeah, yeah. rolling into this pump station, moving the little chairs around, brewing some coffee, mm-hmm. pouring wine into these little cups, and breaking matzah bread. Um, like those were such sweet memories. Like I'll I'll cherish those forever, man. Of like, okay, we're this weird group of people gonna be mm-hmm. planting this weird kind of church, but it was just like a, it, you know, we were so tightly knit at that moment in time, which you know most core teams are or should be. Um, but yeah, that was such, such a special time, especially coming from a church of 7,500 people to stepping into this small room with the same group of people every Sunday. 12 people. Yeah. <laughs> like that dude, that was just, that was so, so much fun and such, yeah, it was so good yeah. for my soul. Um, cause I think if we had jumped in and did something big right off day one, I, that it would have been fine, but it, it just wouldn't have been so sweet. Um, just that slow build up like that, the courting period of frontier was such a, such a sweet and memorable time for me. And I, you know, even though there are very few people around today that were back there in the core team days, we're still, I think we're still, I really do think we're still reaping the fruit from some of those decisions. Totally. Like when you take communion with frontier church on a Sunday morning, it's, it's a very personal experience. Mm -hmm. We have, human beings who are serving you the communion, who are looking at you in the eyes and smiling at you, sometimes placing a hand on your shoulder, handing you the wine or handing you the bread and telling you that this is the body, this is the blood for your sake. Mm-hmm. And it, it it feels like family. It doesn't feel like a transaction. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of ways that's the result of pump station days yeah. and making that the main thing that we were doing. And um, at, in that part of Frontier's life, they didn't need to see you preach yet, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't need to see that. They needed to see you serve and do stuff like that. Yes. And so it's just really cool to see the way that that still influenced us. Yeah, and I remember, I don't know if you remember this, but back whenever we were busting at the seams at Noche, like, we had kind of discussed, like, passing the plate for communion, and we were just like, no, like, mm-hmm. we're not doing that. Right. We, like, we're still small enough where we can do this, and that would just drastically, and that's why... Communion during COVID was was. I'm glad we still did communion, but mm-hmm. having those little pieces of crap pre-filled cups with crackers, I know, man. that was so sterile, stripped all yeah. the personality out of what communion should feel like. Yeah, it felt like a. The way that I thought about it is like it's like a, you know, showing up, you know, like a bring your own lunch meal versus a potluck where you're talking with people in line. Oh and yeah, you're all yeah. getting to. You know, use the same, you know, spoon to scoop out your, you know, whatever, put it on your plate, and then you go back to your table, and then you eat together. Like, I, I wonder if that was the high concept pitch for these like little prepackaged communion <laughs> things. Like, some executive was like, "Yeah, okay, check this out. It's like communion <laughs> meets Lunchables." It's like a bro, <laughs> and the board was like, "Yeah, we're yeah. down. Yeah, let's yeah sell it, sell it, sell it, sell it." Oh yeah, I wish I would have invested in those companies last year. I made a killing. Yeah, no um, but yeah, I, I think you're totally right. Like, there there aren't that many people left from those days, but it changed you and me like mm-hmm. immensely. 
um, to where like liturgy and communion is something that we are never going to sacrifice. Like, yeah, you know, that, that was always like this, this is who we are. Um, so yeah, pump station days, those, those stand out to me uh, a lot. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Uh, so then after the pump station, when we launched, we went to Woolies and that, that brought about, <laughs> that brought about a lot of good memories. Some, some that I can't share on a podcast. Um, but, uh, like one of the biggest memories and probably one of the most angry moments of my life, you know, I walk in, you know, I, I would get there like whenever the cleaning crew would, would get there. Cause they had the keys. Woolies didn't give us keys. Right, right. So I'd have to wait. So some mornings, you know, I'd wait out there for an hour before the cleaning crew would get there. Some mornings I get there at, you know, four forty-five, and they were there. Um, but this one morning they, you know, let us in, I walk in, you know, like, okay, this is going to do the same thing I did last week, blah, 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 blah. And I walk in and there's this giant catwalk, <laughs> this giant Y-shaped catwalk that came from the already big uh, stage at, yeah, at Woolies yeah. and extended out, I don't know, 30 feet, at yeah, least like the yeah. main part. And then at the end of it, it wide out and it had two staircases going down the side and I was just, dude, I was mad. I, I was rem- so you were, mad. You were just searing hot, I don't, man. I don't know if you'd got there yet or if I texted you a picture or something. But then I like texted, I took a picture of it. I texted the manager at Woolies. I was like, hey, when are y'all coming to take this down? And he just responded, we're not. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, deal with oh, it. Oh, I was, man. oh, man, I was hot under the collar because they were having some leather festival uh, uh, there. And there was also a choir loft on the stage. And so we couldn't use the stage. We couldn't do our regular setup. We had to work with what we got. And that was like, that moment stands out to me because um, a lot of frontiers existence is working with what we got. Uh, <laughs> yes. Launch Sunday gets pushed back. Okay. That, should, that should be like, that should be like the mission statement. Yeah. You're like, that should, like when you visit the website, it should be like frontier church. <laughs> We're working with what we got. But, you know, and I, with our philosophy of ministry, like we're able to pivot when we need to pivot. We're able, mm-hmm. and our, mm-hmm. because of the familial nature of our church, people like, they know we have a high standard for excellence, but they also know that there's certain things we can't control. And uh, so I, as frustrating as those times were, it was, um, you know, a time where we're, we're able to be like, okay, um, Jesus is still with us. He's still here. The church is still beautiful and valuable. The preaching of the gospel still needs to be accomplished. It may not look like it normally does, but we got to do what we got to do. We got to work with what we got. You know, some sometimes we walk in there and there's like, remember that one wedding and they had like a stinking like living rooms set up all over the place. Yep. And we're stacking up sofas, we're stacking up chairs, we're stacking up coffee tables, hoping that the movers come there so that we can help. And so we, and we literally help them load it on their truck mm-hmm. so that we could have space to do what we needed to do. It's the uh, Lord's day, dude. We're doing that. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Bringing this pagan furniture up in my face. Um, Jeez. but yeah, those moments, <laughs> like I remember being like, you know, just feeling like, okay, this is, this is what we're doing. Like, what are, what the heck is going on? But you know, those are some pivotal moments. We're just like, okay, we're not. We didn't plant with a you know giant budget. Mm-hmm. We don't have a giant staff team. We don't have our own building. Um, what do we need to do to make this happen? And I feel like that's that's still carrying on to frontier to this day, where our people are like, okay, what do we have to what do we have to do? What do we get? What, what do we have to do to make this thing work? Lean and mean, baby. Yep. Lean and mean. So, um, so that was a <laughs> that was a standout moment. I wish. And we, yeah. When you when you think about when you think about this catwalk, I, like I, 
it's not just that there was this extension on a stage. Like, this was very clearly a catwalk. Mm -hmm. Like, this was very clearly a relic from another world. (laughs) And when you've got somebody preaching on it, you're like, is this Cole Dykey or Mick Jagger? Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, why isn't he wearing leather pants right now? Like, this was very clearly like, (laughs) wow, this is, I've never experienced a church experience like this. Oh man. Yeah. And to be honest, I hope I never do again, but (laughs) because there was also a lot of other things that we'd found that day that we're not going to mention, but yeah, there were some that wasn't the only surprise that we found and discovered that day. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because we thought, I mean, we, the reason we chose that venue is because we thought we were going to be like a normal church plant, which attracts a lot of singles and a lot of young married couples and maybe some kids. And when we launched, we were a bunch of young families with kids. Yep. Um, and that environment was not the most hospitable for the demographic that God chose to send fr- send to frontier. So yeah, you got this. Yeah, you got these nails sticking up all in the wooden floors, and everything is still sticky from the night before. And joints on the floor. You're throwing away joints. You're scraping off chewing tobacco. Yeah. Well, you're f bombs, or you're covering <laughs> up. You know, people write f bombs with markers everywhere. You're covering it up with you know paper and. Yeah, it was just, it was crazy times, man. Yeah. Mer- Can't believe God sustained us through that yeah, season. Yeah, he definitely did. Because it was such, you know, like going from the pump station, this place with a lot of windows and light colors to a place with no windows and black paint everywhere. Mm-hmm. And we were doing the same thing, but it, it just felt disjointed. We're like, everybody's seeing, but it feels like a rock show. And right, right. no matter how low we turn on the volume, it's still super loud. So nobody really wanted to sing loudly. You know, so it was, yeah, it was... So, so going from, you know, we went through several paradoxes, but going from light to darkness now to light again and noche, you know, it's just such a very different environment. We learned a lot too. Like, like everybody rightly says, I'm not criticizing this. Like it's right when people say the church is the people, not mm-hmm. the place. That's right. Um, but also, <laughs> also try, try having a, try having your family over and then sitting in the basement in the dark. Yeah. It's not about the place, it's about the people. Exactly. But also, it feels a little bit different when you're sitting in the dark. The place affects the psychology of the people. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned Woolies, man. Good times. The Spirit of God was there. Yeah, he definitely was. Um, and I think the next standout moment for me, uh, for several reasons, so like, you know, we got out of Woolies, moved into Noche, and we were kind of at the place now where... You know, during the, before dur- during all of this, you know, our early days of a church, the the elders at Redeemer were overseeing Frontier still. You know, making sure our budget was good, making sure we weren't, you know, being heretics, maybe making sure we weren't making dumb decisions. And uh, but it became time for us to you know establish a pastoral team. And uh, I mean, I, w- I was concerned at first because I was like, man, me and Cole, we got this good thing going. Like, is this? Mm-hmm bringing on other people, is that going to mess it up? Yeah. Or is yeah. that going to impact our friendship? And so I was a little a little worried, even though the dudes that were nominated, I, like I loved them, knew them, they had been in my living room multiple times, spent time with them. Uh, I was still a little worried just because it was just going to change things. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But it changed things for the better, honestly. Mm-hmm. And so that process of going through a year of 18 months of pastoral training and writing essays and learning from one another, giving each other feedback and 
give one another a little bit of pushback and encouragement, like all those things, like through that, that 18 month process was so helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sitting at that old cabin outside of Ankeny. Oh, I loved that cabin. Drinking man. coffee, having a little, you know, wood burning stove in there, throwing rocks into a pond. <sighs> Doesn't get any better than throwing rocks into it just a pond. Brings out the primal nature of man. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But, Byron John. <laughs> <laughs> this must be the place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, man, that was such a, that was such an awesome time. Um, for for you and me definitely, but also for our church, of of seeing these godly, qualified, called men to step into the role of, of pastors in our church, and uh, just the, the the experience of growing alongside one another was was so valuable for me. Um, I, I can remember going to for the church conference, um, and you know the rest of us were all pretty young, and then we've got Kent who's who's older than us, and I just remember being like. If Kent can hang with us during this, if he can tolerate us, then he <laughs> he belongs here. Because we're a lot, man. <laughs> we are a lot. We're a lot. You know, we're riffing on each other. We're making fun of each other. Yeah, yeah. We've got constantly our, got our own inside jokes and cultural remarks. And yep, I just remember Kent fitting in so well into that. Mm-hmm. You know, he may not be. He may not be the first on the dog pile, but he'll by golly be the last. The you know he'll he'll pile on top. He'll, he'll, <laughs> yeah, he's he a, will. He will. He's yeah. a team player. Yeah. Um, but man, that was like going down to that conference and spending a couple of nights together and a couple and a couple of days together. Um, you know, here going to breakout sessions and just all of those things, man. That was such a huge blessing from the Lord that that really knit us together and solidified who God was calling us to be as a team. And those two Sundays where we, you know, those two installation Sundays that we had where uh, Carlos and I were installed and where Kent and Stephen were installed, those were, like, that was a, a milestone for our church for sure, mm-hmm. um, but it was a milestone for, for me as a follower of Jesus and as a pastor to have, like, this, God called me to this this role that I'm undeserving of, this role that... Um, you know, I, as a kid, you know, never would have thought I would be, um, and feeling the weight of of that role, uh, but also feeling the joy of that role, knowing that the church wants us to to take on this role of pastoring mm-hmm. them, and so that was just a man, a beautiful couple of Sundays, and to, to spend time with one another, and to, you know, it's like okay, we're growing up a little bit, like we're mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. mom and dad have given us the keys to the car, like we can we can drive the car on our own now. <laughs> That's right. We baby. can have some passengers. Right, yeah. yeah. So that that was a like that'll that'll stand out to me as well. Like those and having like our you know, our wives read letters to us on that on those Sundays, like you would you know, got them to 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 do that for us and then, you know, you had church members sign Bibles for us. Um so yeah, that was just a you know, a really cool experience. Um, one that I'll I'll never forget. It's just so important. You know, like you look at Acts two and you you look at the way that they the way that they plant churches and like develop elders and send them out and it always involves some some form of let's gather around this man that God has set apart and mm-hmm. let's put our hands on him and let's pray for him and let's make it darn sure and let's make it darn clear that he forever always knows that we're behind them mm-hmm. you know we're behind him behind you man yeah we got your back we got your back yeah, and it's not, and we've explicitly communicated like through our preaching on on elders, and through in our membership class of talking about like we're not the top of the pyramid here. Like this isn't what, 
and I was just having a conversation with the church members, a couple of church members last night that came over to our house, like of them asking, Hey, who is a, an elder in frontier? They were conf- like, so I was like trying to walk through Yeah. We use the word pastor because a lot of times elder brings up, you know, people think about elder board, even though elder is used in the scripture. Like, so just talking mm-hmm. about that semantic, mm-hmm. but we, we wanted to be explicit about the fact that we're not the cream of the crop. We're not the, the rock star Christians in the church. Like, but uh, these are, these yeah. are men who God, who we believe God has called to serve as a pastor and leading this local flock of God amongst our midst. And we're not to be domineering. We're not to be abusive. We're not to be, use them for our own uh, personal gain. Um, and I, I, I believe the church believes that. Like I have, you know, just hearing from people. And for me to be able to transition out of Frontier and be able to, with confidence, tell the church that you have amazing pastors who are going to take care of you, who are going to hmm. preach the gospel, who are going to hmm. counsel you, who are going to lead you. Dude, that, that's such a cool feeling to think about. Um, when I left my f- first ministry role, I was I didn't know what was going to happen because it, it happened all it happened strangely. My transition out of there was a really quick turnaround. And I was worried about what was going to happen because I didn't know who was going to take that position. I didn't know what was, you know, mm-hmm. but like my transition out of Frontier is one that, you know, I, I'm not going to be awake at night worrying about what's happening to the to the people of Frontier because I mm-hmm. fully believe in, like, if I was in Des Moines, I would be a member of Frontier Church, even if I wasn't on staff, even if I wasn't mm-hmm. a pastor. You know, that's how much I love Frontier. Um, so, so that's, so I love the pastoral team. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I think everybody, every, I think everybody feels that mm-hmm. whether or not they realize that there's this sense of like, whoa, the people who lead this church, like their relationships um, I'm not going to get drawn and quartered by them. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get pulled in one direction by Cole and one direction by Andrew and one direction by Kent and Steven. You know, I'm not going to get drawn and quartered. Like these, these guys are a team. And really that's the way that we've historically selected elders. Mm-hmm. The, the scriptures are really clear that there needs to be this type of character in an elder and they have to be able to teach. But once those qualifications are met, we're not looking for the most talented men. Mm-hmm. We're, we don't want the most talented players. We want the best team. Those are different. Those are different goals. A lot of people look for the best players. Mm-hmm. We look for the best team. Yeah. Lots of reasons for that. Mm-hmm. Not the least of which is like, I know that I've, I've mentioned this before, but psychologists will tell you that the number one indicator for stability in a child's life is is the awareness and recognition that mom and dad love each other and mm-hmm. they're not going to split up. Yep. When that's not present, there's a level of anxiety of, oh my gosh, are mom and dad going to make it? Am I going to be pulled in separate directions? And that type of anxiety doesn't go away for a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like anybody at Frontier has ever wondered, do mom and dad love each other? Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that we love each other. Yeah. Dude, I, I, on Sundays, I a lot of times I'll serve communion alongside Kent and... Uh, Several people will do this, but Casey does it every Sunday, and he'll when he comes up to receive the bread and the wine, he'll you know say thank you, Pastor Kent, thank you, Pastor Andrew. Like I'm going to take myself out of the equation here, but just hearing someone look at Kent in the eye whenever he's you know receiving a piece of bread or a cup, and saying thank you, Pastor Kent, like dude, that's so heartwarming for me, because I know. Like that, Kent Young is helping Casey build bookshelves in his living room. You know, I know that that. You know, Casey knows all the pastors on varying levels, but um, he knows Kent, and he knows that Kent knows him. Um, so, 
uh, yeah, dude, I, I rejoice in that fact. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, Think about Paul whenever he leaves. I think it's the church, the church in Ephesus that he leaves, and they're like weeping with him before he gets on the boat because mm-hmm. he's you know wanting to you know set sail to you know get to Rome. I think if I'm getting my story straight here, but um, you know like I feel like the church with any pastor, if they you know to would leave like like they love the pastor so much and the pastors love them so much that they know that he needs to go. They know that they um, it's what God is desiring, but there's still this, oh, I'm so close to you that this is difficult. And I've shared many moments with people in the church already, which is why I was dreading telling the church that I'd be transitioning out. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do, I do, I freaking love this church and I feel loved by this church. Um, but yeah, that's a pastoral team. That's not really a moment, but it's a standout for me. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, number four for me, um, you know, one of our goals from day one is to be a church planting church. Um, and if you were to look at our budget, if you were to look at the size of our staff team, if you look at the size of our church, uh, people would say it would be impossible to plant a church through Frontier Church. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd tell people this from day one when I was raising support, like, hey, here's this church that I'm going to go be a part of planting. Like, here's what we want to do. Here's how we want to go about these things. Here's our, our goals. You know, be like, are you going to have a giant kids ministry? No, this is what we're going to do. Are you going to have a big youth ministry or college ministry? No, we're not going to do that because we want to be a church planting church. Um, and so whenever we brought on Nick to be um, our worship leader, when we brought him on for pastoral training and then developing him as a church planter, man, it was like, okay, like this has been the goal from day one. This has been the goal from before Frontier was, you know, launched on Sundays is that we want to be a church planting church. And now we've got, we've got this guy that... We believe God is called, yeah. is qualified yeah. to plant a church. And so to be able to send out a, our first church planter before year five, before year four even. Yeah, before yeah, year four. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally, he got sent out yeah. on, in June, I guess when he was officially commissioned. No, I can't remember. His commissioning was in August because we just brought Abel home from the hospital. Okay, um, yeah. But still before our fourth birthday, but just to like to see the the labor that we had been putting in to plant a church, to say no to a lot of things so we could say yes to this one thing in hopes that we'd be able to do the one thing, like we did it. Like, dude, that's that's huge, man. Dude, I know young, lean, and mean meeting in a jazz club in the midst of a pandemic, mm-hmm. and we still planted a church still, by the grace of God. Still dude. planted a church. Amazing. And I'm not going to beat up on other churches, but a lot of churches talk about church planting, mm-hmm. but don't reorient who they are to actually plant a church. They don't strategize. They don't design yeah. a philosophy of ministry to enable them to plant a church. And I think that was a really re- rewarding time for the church as a whole, not just for you and not just for me, but for our church to be like, oh, okay, like you guys have been talking about this and it's it's actually happening. Um, that That is a, a such a, a, a grace from God. Uh, to be a part of that process and to be like be able to tell the people who financially supported me, like, hey, you've been funding me X amount of dollars, so Frontier doesn't have to. So I can give my full attention to Frontier. And because I'm not taking a full salary from Frontier at this particular time, uh, that money is being put in a bank account for church planting. And hey, guess what? We just sent out our first church planter, and you had a hand in that. 
So people in Texas, two churches in Texas had a hand in us sending out Nick and Holly to plant a church in, in Clinton, Iowa. That is like just a, an amazing picture of, of Christian participation in God's mission of mm-hmm. planting churches and preaching the gospel. I, lo- I love that. Yeah, that's some like early church New Testament stuff yeah, man. right there. Like you guys are like young and all you got is the spirit of a God working for you, but you're going to go plant more churches yeah. if you think so. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's really cool to be a part of, yeah, to be to, a part of that. And to think about, you know, Redeemer, like Hope City wouldn't be in existence if it weren't for, for Redeemer. Mm-hmm. Frontier wouldn't be in existence. You know, we can, anyway, I'm just going to say what I'm saying. You guys can take it easy on me, all these hypotheticals, but yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. But because of what God has done through, through Redeemer Church and planting Frontier Church, and now we've planted Hope City, and God willing, Hope City will plant a church down the road. And, you know, we're already working on getting another church plant going uh, and training up another guy. Dude, that's so exciting. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at the numbers of how many churches plant churches under year five, it's very, very small. Do you have any idea what number that is? I just read it a couple of weeks ago. I mean, that's got to be tiny, right? Because, yeah. um, But... And especially with our budget, and this is why I love yeah. Baptist Convention of Iowa and North American Mission Board. Like yep. these things are possible for small churches. Totally, they're possible for um, for scrappy churches like Frontier. Um, but just to see that, like, and we always told people when they come to Frontier, like, no, we didn't really have people who would come and be like, "I disagree with your theology, so I'm going to bounce out of here." I disagree with your core doctrine, so I'm going to bounce out of here. It was a lot of the times it was. I just don't like your philosophy of ministry. You know, we'd mm-hmm. have conversations mm-hmm. with people saying, "Hey, we're not, we're not making these decisions out of arrogance or out of ignorance. We we have this conviction from God to be this particular church and to do these particular things. Mm-hmm. And so, because we we were committed to that, we were able to like God's, we're able to see the fruit of that happening. Um, uh, sorry, I'm not going to look that up anymore. I'm going to get, mm, gonna get yeah. sidetracked here. It's small. We'll, it's put, small. That, we'll put that in the show notes. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that sending out Nick and Holly, that's, that's memory number four for me. And then, um, number five, uh, would be our Lent and Easter and Pentecost season. Um, Awesome season for us, man. Dude, you know, Frontier, we've remained the same, but, and I heard a church member say this, I think it was a community group last week, maybe. But they, when we were, we were talking about the spiritual practices, and they said, yeah, it's not like the spiritual practices were anything that we haven't been doing before. It's just, it's all together now. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, and I was like, yeah, it's a body of work. Like We're able to point to these, these particular things. Um, and so it was really cool to see from you know, day one, like things that we wanted Frontier to be. And we didn't even, you know, we didn't do an Advent service our first year, maybe even our second year. We just you know, did everything all in one, <laughs> all in one Sunday. Um, just trying to survive and not drown. Um, but what God has given us a glimpse of um, earlier this year, I believe are the first fruits of what we have been sowing um, for for five and a half years together, of, of slowly and faithfully preaching the gospel, slowly and faithfully pastoring people, slowly and faithfully pointing people to um, being disciplined for godliness, that the church is not just your country club that you show up to, but that it's your gym, it's your team where you're got you're working out together, um, and getting to see um, people pray for our church and in front of our church who mm-hmm. would 
probably not pray in, in their community group normally. Mm-hmm. Um, confession of sin, calls to repentance, prayers for healing, baptism, expressive worship. Man, all these things that we've been praying for for years, like we've seen God show the first fruits of that in a, a small period of time. If you look at Frontier, um, you know, if you look at five years of Frontier being in existence and you look at what happened in the course of two months. It was all that time leading up to like two months, really. Yeah. That, yeah. that God um, answered our prayers. Lit us on fire, man. Lit us on fire, dude. And so that was, it was at that, like Tracy and I were already processing like our transition out and asking, seeking God's will for our family and for our flourishing. And we're seeing all these things happening. And Tracy, looked over me and rolled over in bed one night and said, why is God making it so hard to leave? Because <laughs> mm. it's like, you know, the things that we've been giving ourselves to and seeing the first fruits of that, um, it was, and I think I shared this with you, of like, God is making it simultaneously easier and harder for me to leave um, because of what we're seeing. But then also the people that God has been sending to Frontier, especially during the pandemic where you and I are, trying to figure out what the heck we're doing. Our personal ministries are turned upside down. We don't know if we're being effective. We don't know if we're loving people in the right ways. Yeah, yeah. People are leaving for good reasons. People are leaving for bad reasons. And um, and God sends this group of people in to, to encourage both of us personally, like mm-hmm. just as human beings, like people that God has brought to our church has just been an amazing blessing. And then... but. The way that they have dove headfirst into Frontier, they didn't come and ride the bench. They just came in and were like, all right, let's get it started. Like, Amazing. I'm here to yeah. serve. I'm here to lead. I'm here to build the culture here. I'm here to love people. I'm here to pour myself out. I'm not looking for for a handout here. I'm, I'm here to, to be a part of this family. Man, all of that happening in conjunction with with our, with our, our Pentecost, with our Lent season was just something amazing and something truly unique and... I think we've all like, at least the pastors. We've all been like, okay, was this genuine? Like, is this? Did we manufacture this? Are we measuring this improperly? Hmm. And you know, we're several months out from that now. And I'm like, no, this that was genuine. That was not manufactured. God is still working. Like the fire that He lit on us on Pentecost Sunday and on Easter and during Lent and on Ash Wednesday, like that's still going on. Like and people are sharing the gospel with their neighbors and with their friends and coworkers. People are inviting other people into their homes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I, I was talking with a community group leader, and and I was talking about you know this there's this uh, leadership uh, development course that I that I went through, and in, in a book that I read talks about. Um, for for any organization to flourish, for any group of people to flourish, you have to have convictions. But you can't just have convictions. You have to have constructs as well. You have to have a, a framework. You have to have things that you do to bring your convictions into existence. Mm-hmm. And and the next thing you look for is so you have you have this belief, you have this affection, you have these convictions. You put things in place to manifest those convictions. Well, then what you look for is artifacts of that. You look for little relics of uh, and discover these things of oh okay these these convictions are not just being manifest um, through structures but because of structures and um, and constructs and so like I get to hear so many stories of people in our church like inviting people over for dinner and like I didn't tell them to do that you didn't tell mm-hmm. them to do that 
They're yeah. doing that organically of uh, someone having a need and I don't have to ask somebody to help meet that need. That people are just meeting one another's needs. That's that's an example of what God is doing in our church. They're not they're hearing it from the pulpit. They're built they're, you know, in the construct of community group or fighter group, um, but they're doing it organically now. And that's a testament to to the Holy Spirit's work in our church. And on Pentecost Sunday, all we did was open up a mic for prayer. Mm-hmm. And people did it. Like it was an artifact of the work of the preaching yeah. and the community yeah, that we were building, yeah. man. That's a yeah, that's a good word. So yeah, that was a standout moment. Yeah, I'm 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 glad that you brought up that conversation too, where Tracy looked at you and said, "Why is God making it so hard to leave right now?" Because we were we were hanging out last week and we were, you know, just partying together as families. Um, we we were we were sharing a 120 minute IPA together, which was super good. <laughs> um, but we we had an awesome time, just Dikey's and selfs uh, last week hanging out. And I think my favorite moment of the night was when Tracy said. She said, uh, I'm so proud at the culture that God has established at this church. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, I man. I just like, yeah. there was like a warmth that spread over my heart when she said that. Yeah. So that just made me really happy. No, same here, man. Like, Frontier is the most unique church I've ever been a part of. I've been a part of small churches, been a part of big churches, been a part of non-denominational churches, Baptist churches. And what I want the members of Frontier to know is that God has uniquely called frontier to be who she is and that you're a part of that. And then you, that you get to continue to be a part of that. Like, you know, whatever he's, whatever his ultimate goal for frontier is and how she fits into the mission that he has in Des Moines, you get to be a part of that and you get to continue the Mm -hmm. work. You get to continue to work with Jesus where he's already working in our city and in our church and in our, our communities. And it's a, it's a really amazing thing, um, hmm. and I. This is, uh, you know, I've got my five, but for me, um, getting to work on serve alongside you has been um, r- really amazing for me. Like I wouldn't be the dude that I am if it weren't for you. And what I'm, people with your personality, it's really easy for them to run roughshod over other other people, to not take feedback, to not take coaching, hmm. to not take uh, helpful criticism. But one of the things that's paradoxical about you is you have that strong-willed personality, that achiever mentality, um, but you take feedback really well. You take coaching really well. And I've seen that develop in you in in numerous ways. Mm-hmm. And in how God has um, developed you as a preacher is <laughs> is amazing. If you compare, you know, <laughs> your sermons in Philippians Woo, to where you're... rough sermons, bro. I mean, they were good, but you were like preaching the sermon that you wanted to preach, you know? Yeah. Um, and you were still learning how to be a preacher. So like just seeing how you developed and how you're like, okay, what's helpful for the church? Like mm-hmm. not just what's what's fun for me to preach. Like obviously we're about joy. Yeah, get off my back, Christian hedonist. But what's helpful for the church? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like you finding your joy intertwined with God's glory, but also with like, how can I be the most effective preacher for this church? Not mm-hmm. for the internet, not for myself to give myself an attaboy when I get home, but like how you've developed as a preacher and how the, your pulpit ministry has benefited our church. Like, dude, like that's something I really admire about you is that, um, you know, people joke about it. Like, is this dude real? He's always smiling and he's always mm-hmm. happy and mm-hmm. he's always yeah. excited. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that is him, but he's not, but like you're paradoxical, <laughs> and I think it's just a 
testament of holistic discipleship of your personality being sanctified and discipled and your giftings being discipled and sanctified and like you giving your whole being to God, not just your skills and then holding back your personality and mental state, but giving all of who you are to God for the sake of preaching the gospel and pastoring our church. Like that's, that's been something really cool from, I've had a unique perspective on that over the course of five and a half years. Um, Mm-hmm. And, you know, hanging out in my my back porch and having conversations or driving to conferences and, you know, talking about family and talking about our sin, talking about how we want to grow, what we want to see God do in Frontier, like getting mm-hmm. to spend all that time together, you know, me versus me, like, you know, that. And then like last week, me having a panic attack at Mars Cafe and you being my mom and getting me a cold towel to put around my neck and sitting with me in my truck and the air conditioning for... 30 minutes, like, man, like, I guess that's what God has given you and me is really special. Mm. And I'm thankful for it. Yeah. Yeah, me too, man. I mean, you've been doing that for me for five years now, <laughs> not the cold towel. <laughs> but I mean, every time I've not known what I've been doing, and every time I couldn't find something, and every time I didn't know what to say. And every time I didn't know where to plug something in, my response has always been so predictable. Andrew, (laughs) Andrew, Andrew. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, thanks for commenting on the growth you've seen in my life. I'm glad that you have like a unique perspective, but I have a unique perspective on it too. And a lot of that growth is the result of being close to you and having you rub off on me. And having you be a discipler to me. And um, when when I am following Jesus and becoming more healthy, I tend to look more and more like you. You know, like one thing I've learned to do is I've learned to tell the difference between what what would be the most impressive thing to say or do in this moment versus what would be the most helpful thing to say or do in this moment. Those are not the same questions. And my personality historically has tended towards what would be the most impressive thing to do. But what I've heard you say and what I've heard you do over these years is consistently say, given who God's given to us, what would be the most helpful thing to do? And that's forever changed me, man. So it has just been a joy of for fighting. Five years of fighting for joy with you has just been amazing, man. And that's why like, I want the church to know like, when we talk about friendship, when we talk about community, when we talk about the church, it's not... It's not coming from the ivory tower. It's it's from something that we've been building together and that our families have been building together. And yes, we've failed each other. Yes, we've not been there for each other every moment of the way in the ways that we needed to. But this is why I want the church to be a family. Like This is why mm-hmm. I want the church to be friends. This is why I want Frontier to understand the identity that God has given her as, as family. And this is why we're passionate about community groups. Like, like I, I want... I want the church to be able to see how we treat each other and how we talk with each other, how we serve each other as like, this is what we, this is what we can replicate that. Like I, I, you know, I'm not calling myself Paul, but I'm I'm not calling us Paul and saying like, follow us. No, I am. I'm literally doing that. I have the, I'm a pastor. I can say these things. Yeah. Yeah. It's in the text. (laughs) Yeah. It's in the text. But when Paul says imitate me as I'm, I'm imitating Christ, like I want to be able to tell the church, like imitate colonized friendship as we're trying to imitate what, 
the triune God is doing in, in his own self of loving and serving and befriending himself and living in community. Like, I want the church to have that mm-hmm. because the rest of the world does not have that. They have their attempts at it, and sometimes mm-hmm. they do a better job than than some local churches, but that's not... But whenever a church is actually a family, nothing on earth can be as sweet as that. Mm. Nothing on earth. Nothing on earth can be as beautiful as a Christian friendship um, because... Christian friends understand at the end of the day, I am no better than you are. Like the rest of the world wants to beat the equality battle drum, but even whenever they have all of their, you know, when they've won all their victories, it doesn't come close to Mm -hmm. what Christians have. It doesn't come Mm -hmm. close to what the family of God has. And so I want people to understand that. And I want them to go and to evangelize and to preach the gospel to people so that more people can experience that. Mm Yeah, man. I'm just so glad that we've gotten to do this, dude. I am too. So glad. Steadfast. Let's, yeah, let's end right there. Steadfast. Five, five years ago, six years ago, your wife described you as steadfast. And five or six years later, I, I would pick the exact same thing. We've been the recipient of a man who has served us and has been absolutely steadfast. And we'll be forever grateful for that. And this next season of ministry is going to be hard for us as a church. And now that's what we need you to be, church. Steadfast. Mm. So we love you guys. I love you.